Hi, this is Lisa Smith from Convergence. Welcome to the Verge Now podcast. This is a continuation of episode one, Beginnings, and this is where we finally get to the big why. So today, to cover this much larger question, I have invited some other voices into the conversation who've been a huge part of this experiment that we call Convergence. First, we have Dan ABH, who is the uh, community coordinator for Convergence, and Jay Smith, who is the cultural architect here at Convergence. And both of them have been a part of Convergence um, almost since the beginning and are always a big part of the questions and the conversations we have as we develop what we're doing and who we are. So I want to give them a chance to introduce themselves just a little bit before we get Uh, too deep into the conversation. So I'm going to ask you guys to just sort of answer for you, why are you here in a way? You know, what is it about um, this connection between art and faith that is attractive to you or important? Or how has art been meaningful to your spiritual life or spiritual life meaningful to your artistic life or any of the above? Jay? Okay, well, I'll go. Um, <laughs> well, I, I believe that um, believing in something beyond yourself or something greater than you um, is a, a distinctive part of being a human being. And I think that faith and arts are two ways that we express that and do that. And I resonate with both of those um, uh, concepts or ways of life, um, disciplines, you know, however mm-hmm. you want to think of them. Um but I've always felt like um, those two parts of myself were were different depending on the crowds I hung out with. Like, um, and there's probably a lot to say on that. Um, but yeah, I, I've always felt like the artists are innately spiritual people that often kind of deny that to a degree sometimes. Or, um, and the church is is this this faith that's immersive and and um, uh, engaging and um, experiential that isn't really embracing the creativity of that. So it's kind of missing out on on those elements um, and becoming more of an intellectual exercise than a this really immersive, you know, experiential thing. And so I feel like those two things really, to me, inform each other. Um, but uh, I've always kind of I've I've always found those in separate elements, and I've always felt like both of them were lacking. So um, when I found out you were doing this this thing here, um, I was really curious how that was going to work out because I think it's uh, sadly you know at the time we did it, which was like what twelve years ago, something like that. Um, I I was just finding nothing, you know. Uh, very little in in merging those two two elements would seem natural. They don't seem you know that um, contradictory to me. So um, so yeah, I was excited. So I jumped in. Well, so Jay, I wanted to ask you. You know, you are. I mean, you are a musician. You're a, a rock musician. You're a composer. You compose m- uh, music for film. Um, music is a huge part of your life, but. I kind of, I, you and I have some similar experiences where there have been opportunities to engage our artistic life within the church, but for the most part, those two worlds have been separate. But 
you know, it's not like those are complete crossover experiences. So, I mean, have you, do you feel like it's important for you to integrate these two parts of your life? Or are you, some people are satisfied with that's my art, art world over there. And that's what I do over there. And this is my faith life. And they don't need to go together. I mean, is that an important thing for you? Why do you think one informs the other or is beneficial for the other um, to kind of get integrated in a way, either personally or in the way that um, your your work is kind of received in the world? Yeah, well, I, I think we everything we do is based on the, our core beliefs. And if our religion is a core belief, then our art is is going to be an expression of that in some way or another. Um, I think we've, I think that's an example of like how we have been groomed to think of faith or religion in such a way and to think in art in such a way that somehow they can be separate, you know? And, and I, I think, you know, an artist, like a lot of people that I talk to that say that are, you know, they kind of feel like, um, I, usually when I ask them more about that, they, it's because they view faith an expression of their art as faith as like a type of Christian propaganda or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, there's, there's all sorts of artwork that has a message and, and there's so many ways to give a message. All art is a message of some sort, uh, whether you want it to be or not, it's saying something because it's an expression, you know, it's an expression of you, you know, even if you try not to, you know, the, um, so it's, yeah, I just think it's kind of hard. It, I, I find, I understand why they say that, but I find it kind of contradictory. I find it, um, I don't want to say hypocritical, but like, it's just, it's a, I think they need to think more about all of that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, Dan, you come from a very different perspective or background than than Jay and I do. Um, both of us were grew up in the church and had this kind of journey of trying to integrate these two worlds. Um, but you are a musician. You're a community builder. You work with lots of young musicians to help them develop their talent and develop new communities and that kind of stuff. And your kind of connection and journey to us um, – came first through the music. Correct, right? yeah. So how how have, what is it about this kind of world where the spiritual and the artistic um, converge, if mm-hmm. you will, um, that has led you to kind of not just stick around, but be extremely involved and a leader? Well, I think um, for me, uh, it became a very, um, well, basically I'll just skip to the be all end all. Basically I, um, was grounded in my spirituality through the work that I was doing here through, uh, up several years Mm -hmm. basically. So it was this journey being able to, uh, basically be here with you guys, but also do what I thought was a core belief for me, but not really knowing where that came from or what that was about. And uh, over the course of those several years, I found my spirituality life really come to life when I really didn't feel like I had one through the work that I was doing here, through working um, with uh, 
you know, young adults or building uh, music programs here and um, keeping them sufficient and growing them even larger, I started to sort of break down these walls that I've always had up. I always believed in the other thing. I always believed in creativity and um, freedom of that and, and having the, the resources, which, which you guys were providing at the time, which is the reason why I even showed up because I found out that this church um, that I didn't want to have anything to do with, um, but I couldn't steer away from why this church was letting this, you know, mid twenties guy just sort of come in and, and uh, do what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then everything sort of converged for me altogether, as opposed to the latter as being spiritual and being creative and then having that merge, it was the other way around for me, um, which is very powerful. Uh, and, uh, so I, you know, having that experience, living that experience, and now I'm at a point where I'm talking about that experience with the same people that I was helping out eight mm -hmm. years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever. Um, so growth is fun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I can feel that in, in all aspects, cr uh, creatively and professionally working mm -hmm. here and spiritually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's so many conversations that we could have about how this stuff flows out and the connections that we make with other people. And I think, I mean, this is why it's so important to have you guys in this conversation because we all three have slightly different perspectives, but we're engaged in this project, this process together. And as we're talking about this big why, I think this is what makes us uh, classify as more as an experiment than a church, even though we are a church, we are a worshiping community. Um, because we started with this question about what would happen if we were able to bring the arts and art making into conversation with the church in a very intentional way, where both sides of that equation were looking to get something out of that and to grow and be shaped and changed by the other. And I think the three of us sitting in this room are, are products or by, you know, of that exchange. Um, both growing deeper creatively and interpersonally, as well as spiritually, by a relationship with each other, by working together, et cetera. Um, but it, it, in a larger scope of not just a particular community, I think we have this passion, the shared passion um, around some of the questions that got us started. And one of the the biggest question was how how can we help remake a broken culture and i'll just you know go out there and say that i think we do live in a, a broken culture and it seems to be getting more so all the time i mean when it, it, it when this first started or even earlier i was starting to notice um a, an increase in what i would say was kind of dehumanizing media within like movies and television, which is my background, um, just a, an increased sense of, of um, cynicism about relationships and the nature of what it means to be human. And like I said, an increased kind of devaluing of the individual. And it, since then, in the kind of cultural climate over the last five years or so, there's just this increased uh, cultural belief almost, especially in, in the United States, that people are not trustworthy and they're not trusting, um, that there's a loss of hope, depression, all of these things are on the rise. And it, 
I think is shown in our media and in our culture and also maybe propagated by our media and our culture. And then you add social media into that as well. But but in in the you know in addition to that kind of um, definition of what it means to be human becoming very cynical, there's also this thirst. It seems to me for clear ethics and clear guidelines. You know, like the the Me Too movement and talking about affirmative consent and echo consciousness and that kind of stuff. Is there is a desire to say something is true, something is real. Um, there is value in these places. So there's this like dueling um, dueling set of, of values and needs. And at the same time, we're at this place where more and more of our lives are going online, more and more of the algorithms of what the future will be are being written right now by maybe anonymous programmers. And there are lots of questions uh, by people who are looking at this is like, who are the people writing these narratives and what are the ethics that they are writing into these algorithms and even an invitation that more theological and artistic or aesthetic values should be a part of that conversation that I mean basically it boils down to a narrative about what it means to be human are humans naturally a devolving species that just get worse and worse and worse or I would say from a biblical perspective, are human beings something that was created in the image of God and God being a loving, beauty-filled, mysterious, wonderful, you know, is that what life's about? And obviously art and aesthetics come from that perspective too. So there's a lot for me in that about how what what is the role of the church in culture creation what is the role of the artist in culture creation? And can they even fulfill their roles separate from one another? A lot of big stuff. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a quote from Andy Crouch's book, um, Culture Making. And then maybe we can talk a little bit deeper about this. So he writes, culture is what we make of the world. So that's our definition of culture. Culture is, first of all, the name for our relentless, restless human effort to take the world as it's given to us and make something else. To make sense of the wonder and terror of the world is the original human occupation. This is the human story. And the Christian belief is it was always meant to be our story. It's what we were meant to do to make something of the world in the creator's name. So this is this is a conversation I wanna kind of get a sense from you guys and, and have together. Why is it, or it, first of all, would you agree that our culture is broken or needs help in being remade? And what is, or why is it important for artists and people of faith to be a part of that making? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I knew he was going to point on me first. <laughs> Dan? Um, yes, I do. For the first question, I do believe things are broken. What? How do you see that? Where do you see that brokenness? Um, I started to see it um, in uh, the late 2000s when people started to sort. Um, I mean, it's probably always been there, but I started to be very aware of it when social media and um people's identity started to 
not really be their own, but it was sort of um, manipulated in a way from other things or all these visuals and all these things that were happening. And I can name a bunch of them, but I'm not going to. But (laughs) it's like this, uh, you're a profile and you have to live your life by this profile and you get to make up your own profile. And it may not necessarily be you. And um, so when I'm talking to people, am I getting the 100% of that person or am I getting way less than that. Am I getting actually less than 50%? And uh, the consensus around me was, yeah, I was. Um, But I started to see the real people come out after working with them or sort of hand in hand sort of being with people because we weren't in front of a screen. You know, we were doing stuff. We were making things together. We were doing things together. We were exemplifying the importance of just a friendship. And then out of that friendship was creative projects. And out of that was celebration. And then, I don't know, I, mm-hmm. I started to feel, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, it, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I started to see. Um, but I think it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just remembering when you um, did the talk at Convergence about um, disconnecting to yeah. connect and yeah. that whole project. What could you talk just a little bit about that project and talk about sort of what that highlighted about? I think there's a there's a sense of that brokenness. Yeah, was yeah yeah I felt broken. Mm. I started to feel broken, and I started to really lose sense of my own identity because uh you know life happens and sometimes things get triggered where you are uh you sort of like check yourself and and then I checked myself and I I didn't know who I was for a little bit and um I thought it was important to just walk away from I mean even I was guilty of sort of building this sort of image of myself the the you know the Danny BH that that mm-hmm. has always been presented to people and you know um in front of people I have to be that guy and and at you know church or or in music life or friendship or relationships I have to be that guy um so I have to mirror image my my profile you know and I think people are doing that and then I decided that I wasn't going to get better and I wasn't going to find any answers if I didn't shut that profile off and stop um, comparing myself to that person because I started to grow. Mm. But I was confused about it because I didn't, I was very locked in into, well, I can't, I don't know what to do. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So yeah. I, I decided to uh, disconnect uh, from social media platforms and 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 it was cool because like I, I I had to discipline myself because I was so used to having that be my fallback and I think a lot of people are and not just social media all all that stuff all the stuff that is intangible and real and all the stuff that you don't have actual conversations with a human being about you know all mm-hmm. that stuff started to get lost and I really wanted to connect with that but I felt very not that I that I wasn't able to mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, me being me, you know, I have to have a schedule and I got to have a timeline. So um, I did that. And, um, and, 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 you know, w- within that, my, my spiritual life became very strong. And um, I was able to let go of, of, of a lot of stuff that really I thought had high importance. But I think it was escalated or elevated, if you will, because of this way of thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And that, that um, you know, you shared with us that process. And that really got me thinking a lot about, from a church perspective, what is the balance or the role between maybe providing opportunities to step away, to do that disconnect, to connect with God and connect with other people. And at the same time, what what role might we have in creating disciplines around using social media that are 
generative or building up as opposed to creating isolation. Um, I don't I don't know what the result of that will be, but I, I think those are some of the questions that we're starting to think about now too. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing is uh, you know on these podcasts we've been talking a lot about Verge now, and I feel like Verge now is sort of like when I look at that. I mean, obviously we we help build that, but I, when I look at that, I was like, this is the sort of media I want to see. This is the sort mm. of stories I want to read about. These are the type of things that it, it's sort of like the things that we were doing with our own hands and and what was going on within these walls or even outside of it, and being able to use us social media platforms or websites and mm -hmm. really share this stuff instead of memes or self-deprecating pictures right. or uh, quotes or how you're feeling, you know, <laughs> which may not even be completely true. You, you know right. what I mean? Um, that wasn't a plug for Verge now, but if, if it sounds like it was, then maybe it was. <laughs> we but, can take it. Yes. <laughs> well, what about you, Jay? I mean, I know that this is something that you thought about for for a long time as well. I mean, where do you see, well, so let's start with that. What do, would you agree that, that this is, we're living in a, a broken culture? And I would say that it has always been broken to some degree. It's not like this is a brand new thing, but there does seem to be an intensity around it. And there's also been this intensity that built from, you know, when we were kids who were a little bit younger in the 80s, the culture wars, the church was not, it was taking an antagonistic standpoint towards especially popular culture and now we're in this phase of um, such a disconnect and that kind of popular culture just going so cynical um, would you would you agree with that would you agree that there's a sense of brokenness in in the culture that that needs to be remade or can be remade yeah, I mean, I'm always hesitant to like every generation says, you know, that these kids, you know, <laughs> the, the next generation, like these kids, I, this this world's going to go to hell. Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, but I think there are some problems. Um, and I'm I'm still kind of unpacking what Dan was even talking about, because that idea of, of like having a profile, mm -hmm. um, you know, in psychology and in, in certain spiritual disciplines there's this idea of the false self and when the false self starts to fail usually it's when you start growing up you know um well to a degree you're you grow up and you create more of a false self depending on what your childhood was like um but eventually you know as you mature that that fails and you have to deal with your real self and um but you know it it's it occurs to me as dan's talking he's talking about like this literal he's talking about like literally a profile <laughs> like and you know, you look at these these like Tinder and and Facebook and all these these apps where you not only can you avoid your false self, you can project an entirely made up view of yourself. You know, and I think to I think we're to the extent where I think we are just believing that that can can be reality, um, and we can kind of just decide who we are. We can just say. I identify as whatever, like, and, you know, that may be true, it may not, but that may come from the, the true self, or it may come from something that just affirms you, and you just are living this thing that's not yourself at all. And it's up to the individual to decide that. I'm not going to decide that for them. But I think, speaking to our culture, I think it's an issue. And I think um, if you do struggle with an identity um, or lack thereof, then it's You've got a lot of tools to help you avoid that, you know, um, which is 
I think an element of technology we just are just beginning to learn about. You know, I heard like Mark Zuckerberg won't even let his kids get on Facebook. <laughs> you know, um, I think I think that's true. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think I I, I would answer it like this: um, that I I think you know I I often when when I have this conversation I'll, I'll use this illustration like if a dictator takes over a country. They have a few ways to do that, you know, but um, if they want to not kill everybody in the country, then they have to reconcile with these people. So one way is that they'll just embrace and let these people keep their culture and they just kind of provide the government for them. Or the other way is they want to have more control over those people. And what they'll do is they'll take away all the writers, all the artists, all the religious leaders and all that kind of stuff. And they'll replace it with their church and their artists and their um, propaganda and their um, elite, their their uh, academics, and and so you know when you when you tear apart certain elements of a culture, you leave people lacking and you leave them uh, feeling isolated. And you know when we have a solid culture, we feel a sense of camaraderie and solidarity. Um, we're proud of that culture and. Um, it gives us a sense of purpose, and it gives us a reason to um, be uncomfortable for the sake of another person, you know. And I think, uh, you know, uh, religion and art have been a part of Christianity before agriculture, in, uh, a part of humanity. Did mm -hmm. I say Christianity? Yeah, I, but I yeah. meant humanity before. Agriculture, you know, they, they dug up these flutes in Germany that are 50,000 years old, 50,000 years old. That's a – so imagine th that's an engineered instrument, like how long they were singing melodies and dancing and, and all this kind of stuff before they even made that flute. So – and then, you know, with the, the rituals of burying the dead and, and putting items with the dead and, and this kind of stuff, we believed in – an afterlife, and these have predated just about any other belief that we've had. So you introduce, uh, you know, the concept of e economies, and you and you know uh, you start thinking more about science and all this kind of stuff. And that's th these things are necessary, and they're part of a a, a more uh, complex culture. That you know they have to exist, and they're not bad, um, but they have influenced these ideas of uh, an afterlife or a god or a you know something uh, other than us and they've influenced our art our art is no longer uh, like a, a celebratory ex, ex, uh, um, uh, um, expression or culmination folk, folk, like a folk like our art used to be a f expression of our folk Mm-hmm. like a shared know, communal experience yeah you it, it would be an expression of what we did in our life something to remember it by to remember a big hunt or something or you know if somebody came to your village you did still in, in african villages and some of these you know that are still semi-primitive they'll dance when you come to their village you know i know missionaries that have, have kind of talked about this kind of stuff and um you know, and now art is like it's got this celebrity element to it. It's got this element of like it's it's mixed with uh, uh, it's a commodity. Like it's um, it's it's and we have like a lot of uh, 
emphasis on on success, like being successful, and there's a lot of value put on like being successful. And so all this has kind of influenced these really core elements. And I, I feel like what I see is that a lot of the things that I believe, and, and I'm specifically talking about art, artistic expression and faith that have allowed us to make sense of our, our world in the vast majority of our human existence are now really these weird dysfunctional things. And I think that our culture is suffering for that. And I think that we lack a lot of purpose and self-expression and identity as a result of those things. And, you know, when you take a culture away, um, and this is what dictators want to do, is you're open, once you don't have your culture anymore, you're open to any ideology that comes along. You, uh, you listen to your leaders and you just believe anything they say. And you kind of lose this idea to discern and have critical thinking on your own because you no longer have leaders to help you kind of make sense of that or a deeper thing to believe in. So you just kind of go with the whim of things. And I feel like looking at our culture, we've done that to ourselves. So like when I look at, at those um, markers, um, it's my belief um, that I see those kind of things. I see people um, – kind of just fundamentally believing whatever their camp says about whatever and they kind of lose the ability to look at the other person and see a human being and understand that they can believe something completely different and still be a really good person and still be valuable. Um, so I think when I look at it that way, I would say, yes, I do think we have an issue with mm -hmm. our culture. Yeah, well, it's an interesting point that you brought up too, just thinking about in the West since the Enlightenment that there there has been this dramatic shift uh, in the way that both art and religion or even myth have been separated out from the workaday world. What's really important is what's right in front of us and what we can logically make sense of um, and productivity and all of these things have, have, be, have taken the primary role. And it seems um, politics has become the most important conversation. Maybe that's just because we live in the DC area. That that seems to be the case. But I think one of the things that I think what we are making a case for is that real human flourishing life as God intended it is not really possible without making that space for that deep spiritual connection. And that that's not possible to the fullest extent that it was intended without a connection to the arts. And that's something that I don't hear a lot, even though there is space for the arts within the church world. The premise that this is not an optional thing, but an example of spiritual flourishing, um, I think is unique to part of this conversation, that um, it is not possible to create culture which is humanizing if there's not a spiritual component in it, which is not to say that all art created in the public realm needs to have a religious component or uh, project a specific set of ideals, but just that those who are creating our culture are shaping the narrative of what it means to be human and what we're, world we're living in, I would contend more than the political arena. 
I think it starts with culture first. So there is a an, an imperative, a, a calling to feed those culture creators in a way that, that um, their spiritual lives are deep and nourished. And at the same time, there's a need within the religious context for the artistic, the aesthetics, to be a big piece of helping us to reclaim a vibrant spiritual imagination and a passion, a passion for this cultural mandate to actively make our world. The Great Commission is one piece of what Jesus calls us to. But in the larger story of the Bible, the very first commandment was to make something of the world. And I think we believe that that's not something that can just be abdicated and we can hide from or only create subculture um, expressions. But this is a part of what God has called us to, is to make our world, to make our environment, to make music, to make theater and myth and story and film and relationships and communities, all these things that go together. And that now is the time to start elevating the conversation so that it includes constructive criticism, like Jay was saying, on an aesthetic level, on a theological level, to include these concerns about whose truth we're making front and center and and this truth about what it means to be human. So I'm thinking that, you know, this this big why for us, which is taking a lot of different turns even in this conversation, um, is just really starting, you know, and for us at Convergence, it, it has been to bring these two worlds into conversation with each other, to bring our lives in conversation with it, with each other. And I think in a lot of ways, it's just heightened the reality of that need and then led to more questions like, how do we equip culture makers to be able to make in the world? How do we help churches to reclaim that vibrant spiritual imagination? How do we as a community create structures and disciplines and a life that is more creative and spiritually fulfilling? So the big why continues. Um, I think we'll probably have more conversations along these lines in the future. So I really appreciate your, your perspective and everything that you do for Convergence and everything that you do as creatives. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. You're welcome. You're welcome. And definitely have a lot more to say. So I'm sure <laughs> have some more podcasts. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to the Virgin Now podcast about the big why. And I want to be sure to remind you to subscribe on the Virgin Now website so that you can get reminders about the newest things that are coming up, new podcasts, new blog posts, and to invite you to be a part of the conversation around gathering Stay tuned. We're going to have more details coming up for our conference gather in October. But in the meantime, you can check out the blog on virginow.org and uh, see some of the conversation that's going on around some of the, the readings that we're doing and conversations about creating contextual worship. So thanks for listening. <laughs>